This podcast contains strong language, details of drug use, violence, recounting of traumatic events and themes which listeners may find upsetting. Hi everyone, it's Caitlin here and today at The Bunker I interviewed our good friend Nick. He's the best scouse storyteller I know. He took us on a journey of his addiction through the years. His life is so interesting and it's crazy to think someone can survive and come out the other side through all that he's been through. He is a mentor and a friend. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. What are you looking at? Why are you looking at me? You're making me nervous. Can you shut up? <laughs> Can you stop blinking so loud? <laughs> Could you hold that up there? Right, Luke's gone now, we start rapping. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. Start where you want to start, babe. So we've got you today, Nick. I so, have blessed you with my presence. Finally. <laughs> I didn't want to come. Oh, no. It's really good to have you here, though. And I know you because you looked after me in open minds. Took me through the programme. That's nice. Um, I think it was the other way around and you looked after me. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, I counselled you. No. So what do you want to talk to me about today? Well, after like knowing you for so long, like I really admire your like recovery. Like I want what you've got. I think it's like inspiring. Like I'm inspired by you basically. And I want to know... How you do it? Do you want a little breakdown? Um, yeah. Where it took me? Yeah, I do. I want to know where it took you. I want to know how you've got through some of the things that you've got through. I believe I've been an addict all my life. I was born one. Um, I was born with an emotional disorder um, that set me apart from so-called normal people, muggles we call them. Um, I felt different um, I was ill at ease around people um, so at early age through a rough um, a rough upbringing um, not a nice stepfather um, beautiful mother not a nice stepfather um, violent upbringing so uh, I tried to take myself away from that so the first chemical I ever picked up was alcohol, his whiskey, at the age of nine, and my mum's Valium, um, and it changed, it changed me. It, it it gave me a comfort and ease. It gave me the ability to deal with the shit that was happening at home. Um, I went from that to, to, to weed, to acid, um, to every chemical my drug of choice um, my drug of choice is more um, anything that changes me anything that suppresses me alcohol was the first one I picked up and alcohol was the last one I, I, I put down and it was alcohol that took me to my knees to be honest with you um, I've, so, not, yeah. I've never had a, an illness like like that Jesus I could put up with any other drug any other chemical I could deal with um, albeit badly um and the consequences of my using were horrendous um, for myself and everyone else around me. But I could function. I couldn't function on alcohol. Um, it took me to places that 
every other chemical never told me. I've abused every chemical there is on this planet up until the point of me putting down whatever's been invented since I haven't tried. But up until then, my attitude was, hey, oh, um, in for a penny, in for a pound. I'm not going to knock it till I try it. Yeah. And uh, that, that was my attitude. Uh, it took me to jails, institutions. I've been brought back on the table a few times. I've died. Um, so someone's got a plan for me because I shouldn't be here. Better men than me. Um on here so I'm here for a reason I believe yeah so I do what I do because of that I think yeah when did you know it was a problem for you to be honest with you not not until um, not until not until the early 20s um, Kurt explanation um, I ended I was in a couple of good schools rough schools uh, Shawfields and Uways and that um, but I got put in private boarding school to get me away from my stepdad. And um, anyway, on one of the visits home, I got in an altercation with him and um, I damaged him severely. I was big enough then. I was nearly 15. Uh, and they put me away. Uh, so they locked me up from the age of 15 till I was 21. I got out when I was 17. I escaped for a bit. I had a long holiday. Um, caused a bit of mayhem for about nine months and they caught me before my 18th birthday. Um, so I done my me, me 16th, my me 18th and my 21st behind the door. So I grew up in the system. So periodically I used drugs. Periodically I drank hooch. But I didn't have a problem. Well, because I couldn't get enough of it. Um, so the problem didn't arise properly um, until I come home. And then, Jesus, I was making up for lost time. So it was only when I got another sentence that I looked at myself and thought, oh, what the fuck's happened here? I'm back away. Um, so then, the first realisation was about 24, that I had a serious, serious um, problem with consumption of any chemical I could get my hands on to change my head. So I've come home from the sentence. Um, I've been in the system since I was 15. Um, and back then it was circuits every morning, gym every day, you know what I mean? Uh, and I was a big lad when I come home. Um, I was... Did you have, like, routine? Because you had routine. Yeah, but I was institutionalised. In yeah, because you were institutionalised, you had that routine. So when you got out of there and came home, did you feel lost? Yeah. Um, a fish out of water. Um, where were my brothers had just done all the years with? And I had to get to the gym, I had to do this. Uh, and I was a lump. I, but I was a fit lump because it was just circuits every day. So, you know what I mean? At the age of 22, 23, I was 15, 16 stone. Um, solid, no fat on me. I've been in the system for years. What did it feel like coming like out of there and, like, you know, integrating back into society with normal people? It, what was that like for you? Insane. Um, completely insane. No one understood me. Everyone thought I was completely and utterly insane. And to be fair, I probably was. Um... I portrayed I had no fear, but in reality I was full of fear, if that makes any yeah. sense. Like inside? Like yeah, it was just, I, it was all bravado, it was all smoke screens and mirrors. Um, the size of me was, was a wall, a barrier against the world. Look, people looked at me and thought, like, pardon the French, but fuck that. Don't mess like, with yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> fucking lump. Uh, just scary 22 year old. Complete or 24 year old, mad, mad. 
And what was your relationships like with, like, your mum and, like, your family? They didn't know what to do with me. When you got out, like, because obviously you were problematic before you went in and obviously your relationships, because that's what happens, doesn't it, when, when we're in the madness, relationships just go to shit. So what, what was it? So it must have been disastrous going in and then you don't see them for that long period of time. What was it like? Coming home, like what was pe- what were your family like with you? My sisters, um, my sisters were distant and, and and didn't know how to take me because they'd missed me for all those years and they'd grown up. You know, they were only young when I went away. Um, my mum felt guilt. Yeah. Because I went away protecting her. So. Um, the courts and the systems have changed now I would never have gone to jail probation and social services would have been involved and I'd have got a gold star and a blue pizza badge for doing what I did not put behind the door and just locked up and forgotten about may as well just say HMP and let him out when he's old enough when he's a man because we don't know what to do with him um, it wouldn't have happened to me Yeah. so I needed intense counselling intense care that way emotionally I was a mess um, my mum was full of guilt and my sisters were weird with me um, they'd moved on growing up boyfriends um, when you're in prison and when you're using um, you're emotionally bereft you, you don't you don't age emotionally so uh, I suffer from that emotional addictive self not knowing that I suffered from that all those years in prison and you don't emotionally grow while you're in jail. You're stunted. So I came home with the mentality of a 14, 15-year-old um, in the body of a man. Um, with just a desire to take um, life because it owed me, right? You know what I mean? And I was full of self-pity, um, just full of anger. Real anger, real, real anger. I was angry at the world, angry at the world. Um, how dare they, you know what I mean? And, and I'll come home. Uh, I tried to make up for it, but I felt ill at ease. So uh, I just got smashed, Caitlin. I, yeah, I just you got still smashed. had that, yeah. that hole in your soul. Mm-hmm. I grafted, I went out. Um, I grafted and got smashed. Yeah. Um, Produced kids. One, one. In those few years I was out, I had Aaron, um, and then got arrested. My mum brought him up. He's 32 nearly now. Um, and then I went away for another sentence. And it all started again. Yeah. Um, that jacket fitted well. And, and it's sad to say prison doesn't affect me right? I, I'm comfortable in prison right? I know what I do I know what I want I know what I can do um, and I just get on with it yeah. it stopped affecting me that's institutionalised uh, it's when I came home that the problems were um, so I've done another sentence it's away for years again and then I come home I've done a sabbatical and I, I, I just I thought, you know what, I, I'm getting off. Um, I got off to Bournemouth, terrorised Bournemouth. 
it's like life was more comfortable for you behind bars than being on the outside. It was. Yeah. It, it's sad to say, but it's true, it was. I get that, though, because for years, because I've tried to get help, like, from, like, different treatment centres and stuff over the years. Like, me mum and dad didn't know what to do with me. And I felt more comfortable being in a treatment centre or in a detox place than, you know, trying to just help myself and make it easier for my family. And I'd always said to me, dad, I'm... Like, I feel more comfortable if I'm institutionalised. Put me in a mental hospital or put me in a rehab, please. I, I can't do this. Like, or just let me drink myself to death in my bedroom, please. And I did do that for, like, 18 years. But I totally get that you're feeling that way because... I'm more comfortable around bonkers people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do normal people. I find it really difficult. Um Marcus um, and my sponsor I'm the most social anti-social person you will ever meet in your life <laughs> I do what I do and I work with addicts and alcoholics for a living and I'm really good at it I, I enjoy it I love what I do right but if you told me to do what I do with normal people right um, I'd kill people I just don't, I don't like people right? I <laughs> yeah, just I don't do that. people I have a problem with people um, that's too many years in jail no it just went on like that I'll come on graft I get off abroad, I try and make up for lost time, and in doing so, cause mayhem. Yeah. Uh, mayhem for the family. In that period, to come off the second sentence, um, one of my sisters refused to talk to me. She didn't speak to me for 15 years. Wow. Um, ah, Sammy. Uh, she actually tried to run me over and kill me. Um, yeah, that's what it took. Leave <laughs> me, young sister, tried to tell me. <laughs> Uh, oh, she was, she was just getting yeah, embarrassment. Um, <laughs> I was causing my robbing everyone. It just, just, just wrong. Insane, isn't it? Yeah, I was, I was, um, yeah, I was completely off key. But all this time, I've now got twins as well. So I've got Aaron and I've got the twin boys, Josh and Jordan, uh, Josh and Jordan, um, and I'm buying their affections. Um, but I'm not there for them. No. Uh, not physically, mentally or emotionally. Um, I was a bad dad. Uh, it's plain and simple. If I was the mother, the kids would have been took off me a million times. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's the truth. And it's embarrassing, but it's truthful. Um, I know that and I accept that now. And in recovery, I've made the amends. Um, and I've done the best I can. Josh speaks to me, Jordan doesn't, one of the twins doesn't, and that's his prerogative, and he's entitled to that. Um, Aaron's always been in my life because my ma brought him up, so, um, and he's a soul rag like me, right? He's not an, an addict as in he's got a physical addiction, um, but he's got my men, uh, mental and emotional issues, and he's an emotional mess, and he's, he's a rogue and he misbehaves, and I try and lead by example. And he'll have, he'll have periods of lucidness, periods of um, wanting to get his life together, and, and he's a good roofer, and, and going back and, and working legally, um, but he soon reverts back to type. Um, so he's a grafter. And when I, I, I stopped doing it now, but when I used to confront him and turn around and say, yeah, you don't want just snarl with him, you don't want this lad to die, and he's just throw it in my face. I, I want to do what you did. 
and I can't argue with that. So the only thing I can do now is lead by example on that one. That's the best thing mm. you can do, isn't it? Two games. It was just, as I said, home again. Um, man, Grafton, years on your toes, abroad on your toes. So then, so now at this point, you know, you've had a few kids, mm. you've in and out of the prisons and stuff, causing murders with the family. When did it get like really bad? Where like it was bad then. <laughs> no, but like we like leading up to you getting sober. Had you, had you had you tried before? Yeah. To I, get to go into other. Yeah, I, I'm, I, listen. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm I'm jumping past things, and uh, I'd done two rehabs, uh, one down south, one in the Midlands. Been kicked out of both. <laughs> um, one for getting shit loads of volume sensing in, in tobacco. And um, I can't remember what the other reason was for. Just being a twat, to be honest <laughs> with you. There's no other way of putting it. Um, I, I didn't want it. I wanted it, but I didn't want it. I wasn't ready. Yeah. I, had enough, I, had, I hadn't had enough pain. That's it. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the concept. I wanted to change, and I'd have those moments where I'd be on my own, and I'd break down going, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. But then I'd just go... Right, and I'd, I'd change my mind, I'd change my mood, right? And at the end of the day, that fleeting thought of recovery, um, that moment of clarity where if I was being truthful with myself was just um, washed over and the illness took over again. Um, and at the end of the day, my disease, my ill is what I suffer from doesn't want me straight. No. Still to this day, it doesn't want me straight. But I didn't have any tools in the box, if that makes any sense back then. I didn't know there was a solution, right? I'd literally come to the, the, come to the understanding and the acceptance that I was going to die an addict from one chemical or another, whether it be street, prescribed or liquid. Something was going to take me out. Um, or someone was, or someone was going to take me out because I was making enemies left, right and centre. Yeah, the lifestyle you yeah, were living. as we do. Um, as we do. And... If I'm honest now, I look at it and I, I've ran on fear all my life. If you would have asked me this years ago, I'd have fought with you for saying it to me, right? But now I know me, I know I've ran on fear all my life. Fear of failure, fear of regret, fear of not fitting in, fear of not feeling normal, fear of not understanding myself. Um, it's a fear-based illness that I suffer from. And we're taught what is fear, a false emotion appearing real. Today, I can face everything and recover. Instead of fucking everything and running. That's it, Kate. Okay? <laughs> uh, listen, that's the one though, isn't it? You know yeah. what I mean? But none of us understand this. None of us, none of us have a grasp on it. So, treatment for the last time. What brought that on? Before the last time, just before the, well, on my last sentence, I was doing another lump and, um I ended up getting to Garth, right? Which I actually like Garth. No one likes that yet. I actually like it. It's not dispersed anymore to Beaker. Um, but I was comfortable in Garth. Um, I knew loads of the lads and I knew, I knew the screws. And there was a couple of gym screws from there from other jails, Long Lat and Full Sutton and I, I, I knew them. And um, I settled in there and I went over on the rehab. I'd done the rehab over there. Um, if I'm totally honest, the only reason we went on the rehab, three of us, was... It was the nearest yard to the to the wall, right? And it had a net on it, right? 
Um, this is going to sound mad, this. So we were getting um, plastic cups full of ice with loads of 16th and 8th of gear in, right? Catapulted onto the net just before 6 o'clock in the morning. They'd do the walk around at 6, the sun would come up. By half 7, when we were allowed on it, the gear was falling through the net because the ice had melted, right? So we'd sussed away to get parcels in. So it's <laughs> the only reason we went on the rehab, right? Um, to be honest with you. <laughs> so we'd done the rehab. Three of us done it. We'd done the rehab. Somewhere, it was, it was a Phoenix, Phoenix Futures. Somewhere in that rehab, um, a light bulb come on. And uh, I saw there was, there was a recovery. It wasn't 12-step, um, which is what I wear today, right? But it's more smart and intuitive recovery, which doesn't work for me uh, personally. But it opened my eyes that I suffer from an illness. I wasn't a waste of space. Yeah. I wasn't a letdown. And um, there was something that I suffered from. There was a, a recognised illness, right? So I started listening. I finished the rehab. I've done 18 months on there. Um, and he kept me on to co-facilitate. So I was working in the gym as a gym orderly in the day, working on there every night and working on there over the weekends. I was on E-Wing, the drug-free wing. Um, I never drank and used again. Uh, in the jail, I just I behaved. Um, and I didn't find it hard to behave. Um, I wasn't on the landings looking for something. I wasn't putting hooch down or, or, or getting someone else to put it down for me. or anything. Like, I was behaving. Um, and I thought, I got this. Yeah. I got released from there, right? Um, I, I got discharged from there. So when I come home, I come home to nothing this time, right? I'd lost another bed, another house. Um, so my sister's fella Carl, he'd give me um, a three-storey townhouse on the Bellway and speak. He said, yeah, you can have that. And I didn't want to home anything. It's not someone you want to home. Um, but I stayed in there as long as I could. But I said, I'm going to live a normal life, right? And, and, and behave myself and, and try and get me, get me act together. Um, I didn't want to use, I didn't want to drink, but I didn't have drinking before, I thought it was the bigger problem. I thought the drugs were my problem yeah. and it wasn't the drink, this was the delusion. Um, so I'd come home from that and I was in this place on my own. So I thought a bright idea, I'm not tying anyone up or doing anything anymore, I'm behaving, right? So I'll just grow weed again, because I'm shit hard <laughs> that, right? Um, I've got green fingers. My grandma saw me when she was, a, when I was a baby, I was growing <laughs> tomato plants in the garden at five and six in, in the greenhouse. By 10 and 11, I was, I, I was growing weed in my grandma's greenhouse just for the fun of it. I didn't have a clue how to bud or anything like that, but nice. just, oh, grow weed, you know, and just, just the way it was back then. But um, through the years, I found out I was actually good at growing weed. So I thought, I'll grow weed, so I cropped the old top of the house up. Um, I thought, laughing. I'll there's my money for a start-up for myself, right? Bang, three months down the line, I'll be okay. Don't know where it was, and I was working for my other brother-in-law, um, our Sammy, the one I haven't talked to me for 15 years. Yeah. Well, she started talking to me at the end of this sentence, uh, this last sentence. Um, so she started talking to me in 2004, 2005. Again. Um, anyway, I'll come on from that. And I was in that house and I used to go to work um, for Airfella, uh, Pedro. I used to work for him and he buys properties in London, does houses up, right? So I used to go and work for him for a couple of days a week, right? Um, so it looked like I was making money and I was growing weed there. Uh, I don't know when it was, but I was isolating. And, 
I don't know when it was, but it started having a bit of vegan. It's not good for our heads when we're isolated. Oh, hell no. So <laughs> we started off the bright ideas. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know though. I didn't. I. I don't do people do I hear them so. Same. And, and and then I hadn't got the concept that I feel all right round uh, other addicts and alcoholics because I didn't understand that still. Yeah. Um, I felt all right, but round other prisoners because ninety five percent of prisoners are us anyway. Yeah. Um, so I was at home in a piece with the lads. I but I come home and I. Bit out of water. I was going. I was accessing. Um, I was looking at alcohol service in witness. I was. I, I was shooting down. I was driving down to witness um, because I didn't want anyone in Liverpool. This. This is the, the, the disease for us. I didn't want no anyone in Liverpool to know that I was still trying to seek help. You know what I mean? Yeah. I. I, I thought none of them know I've got a problem. Fuck's sake! Everyone knew I had a fucking problem. I was everyone just the last but one. you. Yeah, I was just the last <laughs> ones that fucking yeah. have it. Um, because I was behaving and I was a lump. Um, I look fit and healthy. Um, I was, as I say, I was working for Peter and I, and I was going to the gym. The only time I, I was going to work or going to the gym, right? And no one saw me or going to this, this, um, accessing this drug and alcohol service in Witness. Um, I'd lived in Cronton. I'd gone down to Witness years before and saved up down there, sold up, sold drugs down there. Yeah. So I, I, I look, I, I knew Witness well. My ma had moved down there for a bit. So I knew it well. Um, so I knew the drug and alcohol services down there. I'd gone to them a few times over the years. Anyway, there was a fella in there who was, um, John Dean, his name is, God love him. He's the reason, uh, one of the reasons I'm well now, and um, I'll explain in a minute. Um, he was the manager of the drug and alcohol services down there. Now I'd met John, he was doing a 15, um, years and years before, and I met him in jail a long time ago. It was a jock, and um, he's got a face that you do, don't want to bump into in an alley. So axe marks in this kite and everything like it's the <laughs> ugliest mui you've ever seen in your life. But a heart of gold. A lovely man. And um he never gave up on me. So I used to go and see him. After time crying kitten, if I'm honest, right, yeah. in bits. That bravado and that false sense that I was all everything was okay. It was just thin veneer. because even before I started drinking again when I came home, I I I I wasn't happy. I was just I was lost. I didn't understand myself. Um, I still felt out of ease, look, and out, not in comfort around anyone. And it's one of the reasons why I isolated. I told myself I isolated because I don't like fucking people. Um, I just can't deal with people. Right. Um, anyway, those two cans of Stella after work, two months of four, um, and then six. And then I ended up in a relationship with a bird off the Bellway. Right. This is while it, ignoring my twins because I was angry at their mum, right? And took on the bed with five kids. Work this one on. Um, there's the insanity for you. Now, there's nothing wrong with taking a girl on with five kids, far from it. But my mindset and the way I completely ignored my twins <coughs> um, was just wrong on every level. Um, then ensued five years of madness. First crop come down, put a second one, second crop come down, got a new house, moved out, gave Carly's house back, because um, they didn't want to own anything. Um, and then went to the next house. Built that up, grew more weed, all the time, drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking. It's just masking the problem. Yeah. What That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Not addressing any of the issues. Because growing up, that's just... 
all the horrific things that you've been subjected to and that you've been through, that was probably felt like the norm to you. It was. Because I know all the shit in my upbringing, that was the norm to me. But it's not. And you don't. we don't address any of the problems and then we're just going through life. Blind, really, or numbing it, blocking it out. So you're blocking all this shit out and you're just getting on with it, doing what you know you are good at, you know, selling drugs and making your money that way and just doing what feels comfortable, the drinking and everything else and not actually getting to the root of any of your issues. It's only decades ago, decades. It's just, um, it's slowly got worse. Yeah. And there was things that happened. Um, I realised I shouldn't have been in the relationship. By the time I moved to the second house, the bigger one, um, I was still still growing weed. Money was coming in. Um, I wasn't reversing completely back to type. I was leaving the drugs alone. I wasn't a problem. Just alcohol. Um, and then it became painkillers um, because my, I had arthritis in my hands. Um, I've always had arthritis in my hands. I've broken that many times fighting. Right, it never hit me before, but my head told me it fucking hurt. Yeah. So I'm not using any street drugs, but somehow I've ended up on fucking sixteen mil of fucking buprenorphine a day for my hands. Right? <laughs> um, and then my anxiety's gone through the roof because I'm drinking like a fish again, and the, the Stella's gone to vodka, and I'm now getting all kinds of Valium off the doctor, uh, which isn't enough. So I get two doctors. And then three doctors, and then I'm reverting back to type because I'm becoming four or five different people now, right? And different doctors all over witness in Liverpool, you know what I mean? Just to get benzos. Um, so, yeah. And I'm telling myself, no, nah, mate, I'm not an addict, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I'm smashed out my head worse than anyone else. Um, and then I'm not happy with myself and I'm falling to bits and I'm, my sisters are worrying again, right? Um, and like Sammy started not talking to me again. Our steps stay close. And my mum's panicking. Because um, it looked at the beginning for a few years that like he's behaving because no one really saw the alcohol problem because yeah. I kept it away from them. The girl, God love her, and she's not one of us. She's, 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 she's not an addict alcoholic. She likes a party. I used to go the weekend and uh, have a line or two with the girls and get smashed, you know what I mean? Come on, but it's laughing. She'd get up and look after the kids in the morning, straight as a die. Won't use, I won't drink, you know what I mean? Could be two, three weeks, four weeks, you know what I mean? She's normal. Uh, me, no. Uh, and she put up with me. We just want more. Yeah, and more. more and more of. That's what I said. Yeah. My drug of choice is more. Um, anyway, there's problems going wrong with one of um, one of the daughters. Um, I'll say names, right? But she was having problems and issues with her real dad. And something had come up in the past. So there was court issues and court dates and three years of hell um, that I wouldn't want anyone to go through. So even though I knew I was in a relationship that I shouldn't have been, I shouldn't have been in, um, I couldn't leave. I'd have been looked like the worst bastard in the world to leave. Um, just jump off a sinking boat. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I sort of thought I'd have to get, but it was killing me, and I was a waste and a smash, uh, just a mess. And I was going in to see um, John Dean, in witness kept seeing him. He said, oh, "I said John, I need help, man." In this time, I've had in those five years, um, in those five years, I had um, I've lost count of the detoxes. P 
paid for, blagged and hospital. Um, no longer than four weeks each time, some just seven days, ten days. Um, kicked out of Birchwood three times. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, me. just kicked out of Birchwood three <laughs> times. Uh, you know what I mean? And uh, it was, they weren't always my fault as well. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm being honest, right? Some of them were my fault, two of them were my fault, but one of them, one of them, I was just tired with the same brush in it. Um, <laughs> Which is my fault, right? Because of the previous um, attempts of going in there. Um, Western Hospital, loads of times. Blagged detoxes. Um, other places, seven and ten days. Um, all to come home. With that moment of clarity when I've done the detox, and I'm never fucking going through this again. There is no way I'm doing this again. And I've passed the lightest test every time. Truthfully meant it, right? And then... Something, something catastrophic would happen, like the fucking sun would come up, aye, or I'd bang me fucking toe, and I'd find an excuse to drink. Yeah. Um, and then I go, no, that light, it's going to be different this time. It's the nine millionth time, but it's going to be different this time. You lie to yourself, and you believe your lies. That's why you've passed the lie detectors yeah. as well, because you believe your own lies. Because if it doesn't take you, like um, you're in a coffin. Like, that's your rock bottom. You're in a fucking box. It's going to take your mind. I lost my mind. You lose the plot. It really takes away your mind. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. But he kept telling me, John kept telling me, John Dean kept telling me, you, you haven't had enough pain yet. I was like, what the fuck do you mean I haven't had enough pain? <laughs> my head's up my fucking ass here. Yeah. I can't deal with this. Can't function at all. I, you know what I mean? Like the kids, um, Lisa's kids, my stepkids, um, Dead alarm clock, right? Dead alarm clock was me getting out of bed and reaching under the bed for the bucket, right? I couldn't even men men make it to the ensuite, right? That was me at six o'clock in the morning, every morning without fail, right? Waking up, dripping in sweat, puking my oh. whole stomach out into the tummy, just bile, right? Shaking like a leaf and sweat. Yeah, in the bottom drawer, right? In the bottom drawer, bottle of vodka, right? Had to be there every morning. It's got to be two. There's got to be two thirds of an ordinary bottle or a third of a litre at least in that drawer in the morning, right? Yeah. And Valium on the side, right? Now, I'd have the bottle in me and nearly taking me fucking crowns out, trying to get fucking, <laughs> trying to get vodka in me, right? While chewing on Valium, num, 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 chewing all over the blues, right? Trying to steady myself. And that's, that's what the kids were waking up to every morning um, before I could get my shit together. It's bad. So it took me three quarters of an hour to get my shit together. Then I climb in the shower, I get a shower. This was normality to me. Yeah. And then I'd climb in a car outside, which was a plater. There was banned from driving for ramming police drunk, right? And then take the kids to school. And that was, I thought Jeez. that was living a normal life. All right, that's the insanity of it. That was your normal though? Yeah, and it's just wrong. Right. And then all day, go and check the crops. Um, take the dogs out. I was breeding dogs as well. I was fucking breeding dogs as well at the time as well. Three staffs in the pit. Um, bonkers. Just fucking bonkers. So, Nick, when did you have enough pain? John saw it in me. John saw it in my eyes. Um, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, I sat in the room with the piece and put a, put a hole in the roof because I didn't have the bottle to put one in my own head. That was my rock bottom kill. Um, didn't want to live anymore. Knew I was going to die an alcoholic. I'd give up. 
so fuck it, can't do this anymore. But didn't even have the fucking bottles around myself. Um, too fearful. So John turned around and said, look, you've got, you've had enough pain. I said, yeah, fucking hell. No shit, Sherlock. You know what I mean? Fucking hell. My head fell off. I said, what fucking time, John? He said, I've got a place for you. It's in fucking Wrexham, Wales. I'm like, fuck going to Wrexham, Wales. Right, you know what I mean? I'm dying, right? My head's falling off. I'm in a bad way. I'll do anything. Apart from going to Wrexham, fucking Wales. Right? <laughs> yeah. This is shit. All I've been nicked there years ago. Blah, blah, blah. So I remember fucking doing a three-day lie down in the cells here uh, a long time ago. Um, I was like, I'm going to fucking Wrexham. Right? And he said, you fucking going to Wrexham? Oh, I said, okay. He said, right, this is the last time in Bairdswood. I just thought, oh, I might do another one. You've got to go to Bairdswood and do the detox in Bairdswood first, and then you can go to Wrexham. And he said, I haven't got a place for you. So I'm only supposed to go for six weeks. So it's all right. Anyway, long story, I got kicked out of Bairdswood the next morning. <laughs> so I was, I was supposed to do this detox in Bairdswood for 14 days, so I got kicked out the next morning. So I've had to go to witness. Um, to, to, to a mate I knew there we used to call him the chemist he just had sweet jars this room with just sweet jars on shelves all around the room just full of fucking tablets any tablet you wanted you could buy in bulk of them um, anyway I've gone in there and gone yeah that fucking hell I, I need to knock myself out for fucking 14 days he said yeah I said just yeah give him a one give him 100 quid and he gave me all the broken bits right and all the bottom of the bottles and all that of all the benzos so it was the latrazepam the nitrazepam diazepam tamazepam all the benzos right I, everything and it was just just a mixture of mad tablets it was like a fucking half a carrier bag full of fucking dust and, and, and tablets he said take them on I said fuck me so anyway I've gone home um, to my house my ma knows now Right, she's found out I've been kicked out this place because they thought I was going in somewhere. And <laughs> she's gone mad. Anyway, I said, listen, I'm just going to knock myself out for 14 days. Right, she said, well, fucking, what are you going to fucking eat? Um, I said, well, every time I wake up, stick a spoonful of that in me, knock me back out. Otherwise, I'm going to go and fucking uh, get something. I know I will. Um, so I've got a date to come in. Oh, open minds. That's where I went in Wrexham. So she had a friend who's run, run three chemists. Um... And they gave me cases and cases of Ensure drinks. So every time I open my eyes, I've got an Ensure drink squeezed in me, right? And a spoonful of Benzos, right? So, and they just knocked me the fuck out. I can't remember going to the toilet, Caitlin, once. Um, <laughs> and they said it was coming out of every orifice, me fucking ears and my eyes and everything, mate, you know? Oh. So I'd done a rattle there, um, a 13-day rattle. Shit the bed, pissed the bed, fucking, uh, you know, now ruined the fucking, I said I was about mattress, ruined the fucking nice Saturday night mattress, kettled the mattress, right? Um, it's just, it looked like a crack then when I finished it, the mattress. Um, but, hey oh, I'd done a detox in 13 days of 16 milligrams of uh, buprenorphine and the alcohol, but obviously me benzos went through the roof because I was just fucking munching on them, right? Every time I opened my eyes, they'd give me more. So I ended up in open, I landed in open minds. 2013 and that's where my journey began I don't remember the first week same I don't remember <laughs> the fucking first week they carried me I, I've come round a week later going, wow. where the yeah. fuck am I uh, when the benzos are coming out my system <clears throat> I fought against it um, I thought I knew best I didn't know shit um, all I knew is I knew nothing and I thought I knew everything at some point, six weeks turned into six months, or nearly seven months. And I stayed there. Um, but halfway through, 
is when the change came and I turned it round and I wanted it with a passion. Um, fuck me, I knew what I suffered from now. Fuck me, I wasn't alone. And I wasn't abnormal. See, I have this perception and this understanding, right? I suffer from an emotional illness. Um, me as an addict, alcoholic, same fucking thing. Um, I feel more. They're more, I care more, right? I love more. I understand more. My emotions are more. That's why we use to suppress them, because they overwhelm us. Um, and the more I learned about this, the more, more over the years I've learned about this now, the more I understand them. We're better people. We're better people. Because we truly feel there's a flip side to that. Yeah, we get bigger resentments, we get bigger <laughs> anger, and we get bigger fucking naughtiness, right? You know what I mean? But if you get a handle on it, right, um, it makes us better people, it makes us more caring, right? We just have to understand our emotions and our feelings. Yeah. Do you know when you were in Open Minds, so obviously you hadn't done, you said before, 12-step programme before, when you had resistance in the beginning, like most of us do going into places like that, I well, I find I did. Um, how did that make you feel? Like, finding out about, like, Alcoholics Anonymous, 12 Steps, what was that like? I, I, I went to, um, went to Catholic schools. I was in a Catholic boarding school. Um, I turned away from Catholicity, right, a long time ago. Uh, what's God done for me? Um, Suck me best mates. Took friends, right, you know what I mean? Family. Um, I had a bit of anger towards the God I understood, you know, which is the bearded fella sitting on the cloud, you know what I mean? <laughs> the one I'd been brought up to know. When I was in school, RE was fucking going through the Bible, you know what I mean? Um, so I didn't have a perception of that. And one of the counsellors had turned around and said, What have you got to lose? Fuck all, to be honest with you. Um, I was having a few dreams. Um, using dreams, drinking dreams, and um, I said, just can't, 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 can't fucking shift these. And they were all going to get up and waking up in the morning, sweating, right? Just weird, nice dreams. Yeah. Um, and he turned around and said to me, he said, Look, step three prayer, Nicky. I said, What's he fucking on about? He said, Step three prayer, uh, relieve me of bondage yourself, better do thy will, not mine. He said, Just go and show you that and ask for guidance, just ask for help. I said, But look, I haven't got a faith, I don't believe. He said, What have you got to fucking lose? I said, yeah, fair enough. And I didn't have anyone, I didn't have a padmate. Oh, sorry, a padmate, a roommate. <laughs> I didn't have a roommate. Um, I was on my own, so I didn't feel a twat. Right, yeah. I thought, yeah, you know what? So that night I got on my knees and I had my first conversation with my higher power and I was just like crying and fucking, uh, just head fell off, you know what I mean? Yeah. Get on with this, I can't do this. Uh, just having a bitch, feeling sorry for myself. Um... I understand, I understand the psychology behind this now. Now, further on down the line, years down the line, I have a faith. I'm baptised. I go to church, right? And one of my best friends is my pastor. But I didn't have a faith then. Right? That's something that came years later. I was been in recovery for years before I found a faith, right? But at that moment in time, I asked for guidance and I asked for help. And I asked for this this fear to be relieved and this, this anxiety to go and this so-called 12-step programme to understand. I knew I was powerless. Um... My life wasn't unmanageable. It was a fucking train crash. <laughs> and everyone I loved and cared for was on that train with me. Yeah. Um, I understood that. I had that fucking hell. I nailed that one. Um, power greater than myself. 
I was having problems with so that that night I offloaded and I asked for help now I can look at this two ways I can look um, I'm not inept or bereft of fucking brains right you know what I mean um, I'm intelligent sometimes for my own fucking good too good too too much for my own fucking good or I think I am <clears throat> I overanalyze things um, I intellectualize things and try and find a way of working something out when sometimes I just just have blind faith but if I look at it, that point that night, that switch, me turning around and going like that, give me a hand with this. Give me a hand with these, these dreams. Um, give me a hand, hand with this fear still. Um, and me never having a drinking or using dream ever again. I can look at it two ways. I can look because I haven't. I can look at the, you know what? I, you know, and it's not as if a big fucking lottery hands come down from God and gone, now then, you are the one. Tap me on the head, you're cured. <laughs> right, that's not happening. But I can have a faith that the big fella up there has looked after me. Or I can look at it this way. Internally, I'd surrendered. For me, actually asking for help outside of myself, right? And surrendering that night and hitting that switch, right? Me not just submitting and holding the corner of the fucking towel, right? Literally throwing the fucking towel in so I cannot do this anymore. Please help me. That internal switch, surrendering switch, bang, give me the ability to grow and get well. Yeah. See what I mean? So you have to look at it that way. Because your hands is it over. Yeah. And the way you look at the programme is <clears throat> there is power in a, in this programme. There is power in the 12-step programme. You know what I mean? The power is in the people that help each other. One addict helping another. One alcoholic helping another. Right, uh, interacting and engaging with people on the same level as us who understand us and feel like us. This is the power, right? And then you can turn around and say, well, I have someone or something that I turn to and ask for guidance and help, right? Which is beautiful. You don't have to, yeah. right? And God knows your understanding, right? As long as it's outside of yourself. As long as it's not you. Yeah. And that's like your higher power. Yeah. yeah. The power greater than myself. Recovery is a power greater than myself. Yeah. Everyone looking after each other is a power greater than myself. Uh, you know what I mean? I just, at first I thought, like, the fuck do these people want from me? <laughs> I, oh, yeah, it is my number. Fuck off. You know what I mean? I, you know, yeah, listen, you can call. I don't want to do fuck. This go away, mate. You're a weirdo. Right, you know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was just one of them. Nah, not having this. No one's ever given me shit. I've had to take it all my life. You want to give me shit free? Hey. You want to help me from, and you're, you, the, the only, the only, the only gain you're getting out of this is a feeling of ease and comfort. Fuck off, you weird. Like, honestly, seriously, I had to get my head around it. Yeah. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Now, people think I'm weird because you know what? I, the, the feeling, the fulfillment of watching someone get well, um, far exceeds any fucking monetary payment you could ever get, right? That's the whole point of the program. That's the whole point of the program. Giving it away to yeah. Doing what I do and working where I work. Um, I watch people coming in broken and just desolate, despondent, um, grey eyes. They've given up on life uh, and they have um, they have a little pilot light in there still. If you look deep enough, you can still see a little light. Um, the ability to work in this field gives me the ability to fan that light fan that flame and you watch it take take hold again um, and watch their eyes come alive and they become the people that they should have been anyway and that's, that's worth more than all the tea in China 
Um, that's the beauty of this program. So I know it fucking works, Kingdom, because I live it um, and I watch it working, people. Um, I should pay them to let me work in the places I work um, because it keeps me well. Plain and simple. I listened, Caitlin. Yeah. I listened. And when I left, I didn't fucking leave. Right. <laughs> Literally. I didn't fucking leave. <laughs> Did standing jokers, you know, I've been in rehab for 10 years. Right, you know what I mean? I never fucking left. Um, I've said it to you before. The concept is, is hey, he's got to say, right, um, stay in the middle of the boat, lad. Uh, stay in the 70. Uh, stay in the safety. Right. Um, I work in the fucking boatyard, right? <laughs> I haven't even left the boatyard, man, let alone get on a fucking boat. You build the boat? Yeah, look, my attitude is, right, is, fuck that, what's going to keep me safe? Hey, I'm going to do everything. Look, I used to do everything to my ability to get my drugs and drink, right? Whatever it took, yeah. right? Whatever it fucking took. So I'll do whatever it takes, right, to keep my clean time, my sobriety. Right, because at the end of the day, it means so much to me. And the person I've become now, um, and what I've achieved, and the way my family are with me now, and, 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 and everyone I interact and engage with me, um, is worth more than I could ever ask for. Uh, I can't understand. I, sometimes I look back and I think, fucking hell, have I changed so much? Should we have a quick break? Am I talking too much? Recovery Cub podcast, Nikki, take two. Do you know when the thing started to click for you? When you were in Open Minds in the treatment centre? As a client? Yeah, as a client. So things started to click for you. And it like, say, it's coming up to, like, your time to leave. You've got to put a plan in place. It can be quite daunting when you're leaving a place like that and, you know, you're sober for the first time in your life, probably, you know, you're actually seeing things for what they are and what type of plan, did you have a plan in place for yourself? Like, what was that like? Yeah, well, this one goes a bit sideways. Um, look, I've been, I've been clean and sober for years and years and years and years at a time in prisons, yeah. right? Um, half the time. Uh, especially the latter sentences, not using, right? not drinking, you know what I mean? But this was the first time with clarity and an understanding what I suffer from. And they had all these plans for me because they turned around and said, Nicky, go back to uni, go to uni, go, to, go back to uni, go to uni, right? get your qualifications, do this, do that, bump, learn, come on, you've got to work in this field and all that. I went, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I start, started to think that, you know what? the negative ripple effect I've had on everyone around me, I'm going to have a positive ripple effect now. Yeah. Because you're doing the opposite of what you was doing, you yeah. think you're going to have the opposite effect on people? But they told me that I, I need to relocate. I can't go back home, right? Because yeah. it's too much of a trigger for you, right? And everyone, family and friends, right, were all still bang at it, right? They were all... Um, Everyone was still criminals, right? It was right in Liverpool, Yeah, everyone was still up to graft, you know what I mean? Everyone was still doing this, that, and I could not do anything like that anymore, yeah. right? And just, like, the simple thing of bumping into people, we kn you know everyone. Everyone knows yeah. everyone or someone in Liverpool. Yeah, so it was... Anyway, I, was, I had problems getting my head around that, right? And um, if truth be told... Um, 
And one of the councillors made me sell all, I had like a couple of um, lock-ups and garages, you know, full of crock gear. Yeah. You know, lights and, and shit and all that because just before I come in, I'd had the last one down. You know what I mean? The, the, yeah. the, one of the last crops down. I'd made money on it, obviously. Um, but I still had all my equipment. And um, I still had the house with the bed, right? So it was financial more than anything else, right? In my head, I think. Thinking, oh, I'll go home and make a, this negative fucking Nicky that's come into treatment's a mess, complete and utter fucking mess. Um proactive one's going to go home, right, and um, put the world to fucking rights, and this this positive ripple effect that's going to come off me, right, it's <laughs> going to fucking sort everyone out, yeah, delusion, mate, fucking hell, right, but I had this in, yeah, but underlying, I didn't want to let go of the money, right, so I still had the house and that, right, even though Peter had told me, you, you bought it with fucking stolen money, Nicky, right, you know, you know stolen money, fucking, you grew it, everything you've got, you've grew it for, Right, you know what yeah. I mean? You haven't actually grafted your fucking ass off legally for it. I've even paid tax on it and that. Uh, I was like, fuck off, no bad. You know what I mean? I, I still made it. Yeah, because right. it's just it's your safety net, it's your security. Yeah, yeah, You're actually going out to so the I big still bad world too. Kind of thing, right. Um, yeah. Anyway, I fucking... Uh, against advice, um, I went home for 10 days. I lasted 10 days in Liverpool, so I went on. So I got released, everyone gave me the hugs and the kisses. Everyone turns next door in the bunker. Every fucking councillor turned up. The two bosses turned up. Carl took me out in his Porsche, right? And um, it's a track Porsche. He fucking gave me a white, whitey in it, man. I've never had a whitey in a car before. He gave me a whitey. Um, and we went out, you know what I mean? They were all trying to talk me into not going. So I went home. Um, I quickly realised when I went home, I woke up next to Lisa. I realised I wasn't in love with her anymore. I don't know if I ever was in love with her, right? Uh, I'm probably got honest for the first time in my life. Yeah. That I'm must have been her. hard. That was really hard, I'm told. Especially since she's an ABA boxing coach, and I thought she was going to fucking do me in, <sighs> right? Um, but she knew. She knew. Um, I didn't make my mind up straight away to come back. I still tried to get on with her. Um, but I couldn't. I saw people coming to the door. Uh, he's doing this, Nick. He's doing that. I've got family, uncles, fucking mates coming around saying, "Yeah, you fixed, you sorted." Yeah, I comes down the pub for the line and the bevy. I'm going for fuck's sake. No one could get the concept of I can never use again. Yeah. I can never take. I can't drink again. I can't do anything again. People think it was hard fixed. enough for me to get me yeah. head around it. Like they had no chance. Um, they couldn't get the concept of a 12-step programme, a spiritual recovery, um, an emotional malady that I suffered. They did none of this, right? None of this. I couldn't get the big book out because they just thought it was insane. I couldn't be the person that I'd become in open minds, our own. The old me was coming back hourly, not daily, hourly, right? Because I could, if someone, someone challenged me, I couldn't, be seen to be weak. All this false conception, this bravado and bullshit that was in my head. I, and I, I come to the realisation really quickly over the few days that I can't fucking do this. I can't do this here. I, I can't do this around my people, around my own people, my own family, my own friends, my own enemies, right? You know, my old enemies, you know, I, I can't do it around these people and be the person that I need to be and the person, the true person I am, right? Person I've always meant to be around this lot because, ah, it's just going to go tits up. Um, it's about nine days in. I phoned Open Minds. I phoned Jonathan and I phoned Peter Councillors. 
uh, trying, kijken, if I'm honest, in bed. Ze I'm going to fuck up her hope. I'm going to fuck up her hope. I can't do this. And he said, yeah, where are you? And when I'm in my eyes, and the counselors have been home, knew me, mum, they've been home, and they've been to ours and all that. And secondly, you know what I mean, counselors have come home with me and met the family and all that. I said, they're all insane. I said, I know. You know what I mean? Fucking, <laughs> but like, everyone was loving, as scouts families are. You know what I mean? Um, where are you in your mask? Still remember it vividly. Jam was on the phone to me. She said, stay in your fucking mood. Laurie, yeah, keep him there. Right. Because it was all over me. It was on me like a rash. I didn't want to use, but I knew I was going to use, yeah. if that makes any sense. Well, because we can't control Because I, I couldn't deal with everyone else around me. I couldn't deal with the shit. And parcels coming through the fucking door and fucking... I mean, it was just, it was just fucking bonkers, man. Powerless? Yeah, well, through through meaning of powerless, people, places and fucking things. Yeah. Right. This is where the concept of powerless comes in. Yeah. Right. Because it's not a time of powerless over drugs and alcohol. I'm powerless over people, places and fucking things. Yeah. And that pushes me to take fucking drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Um, so he said, stay in your mouth. So I stayed in my mouth. And I got a phone call back. Uh, and this is the power. Uh, the power of the fellowship. Well, I had five places to go to. Straight away, choose between five places, Nicky. Do you want to run this dry house? Do you want to come back to a secondary house um, of open minds? Or do you want to go to a third stage of open minds and run that? Do you want to come to mine, Peter? Right? Do you, five different people offered me places, right, to come straight away. That's how beautiful it was. Yeah. Um, I chose Sylvia's, which was a dry house. She'd be one of my house managers. She was spirit, she floated. Uh, he was that spiritual. She fucking budded right up, man. She just floated. Uh, we used to call her Creeping Jesus. She just used to appear behind you like Mr. Ben. It's an old <laughs> cartoon. Uh, you're honest, she was scary that way. Um, so the very next morning, I said me bye-byes. I walked away from the house. I walked away from everything. I'd done the right thing. There's kids involved. I'd done the right thing. And um, I went to Sylvia's. There was a people carrier full of trainers and clothes. And a telly. I, and I turned up at Sylvia's door and my mum gave me this ivory Buddha never forget it she gave me this ivory fucking Buddha take it with you and um, I turned up at Sylvia's I already feel, felt like I'd failed um, but I hadn't but I felt like I'd failed and Sylvia answered the door and she said come in lad and I walked in um, emotional and she walked me into the living room and I looked up and there was 90 other Buddhas in there. Yeah, I knew it was okay. You were in the right place. Yeah, I knew it was okay. A bit emotional. Yeah, I knew it was okay. I was in the right place. Um, I've never looked back, Caitlin. I've never looked back. And then I thought, I've got this. And I grafted. Um, and what's it I wanted? I rode 13 and a half miles. I was banned from driving for drink driving, remember still. I was, yeah. I was banned for life. They never wanted me to drive again. Um, and rightly fucking so, to be honest with you. Um, so I had a mountain bike. I was living in Chester in Sylvia's. So I used to pedal 13 and a half miles to open mines every day. I'm 13 and a half miles home in rain, sleet and snow. Oh. That's how much I wanted it, love. Yeah. Um, I used to turn up. And for a year... I signed up, I signed up to, to, to college, uni. I tried to get everything done too fast, right? I, I tried to do everything at once. Right? Well, that's Ad, it. Ad, we won everything and we won it yesterday. Yeah, addict's head, didn't he? <laughs> um, so I thought, oh, no, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that. And I'd, I cut myself into so many pieces at first. And that's the rain, because it fucking nearly took me out. Um, but yeah, done voluntary for nearly a year. Um, done uni. Done college. Um, 
and just <sighs> buried myself in the program, smashed the meetings, right? Out of fear, I fear of picking up at first. Yeah. Um, Alan, who was my sponsor, um, was Peter. Was Peter's sponsor? He says I was. He's the only person he's ever. God rest him. His dad now. He says he's the only person he's ever sponsored that was unsponsorable, um, <laughs> because I was completely utterly fucking chaotic. Still, um, I didn't use. I didn't pick up. Um, but I broke every other fucking rule, Caitlin. Right, um, and I learned from my mistakes. But I slowly started getting a bit of peace of mind. I still didn't have a faith. Right, but I had a power greater than myself. Um, I had a program, I had a fellowship around me, um, and no one let me down. And then they say, the honeymoon period ends. Um, yeah, it does. And then you start realising that um, you're not bad thing, you're not fucking bulletproof, right? And the only promise you were ever given is you don't have to use again, right? No one ever promised you that life was going to be fucking fair. Um I have a little saying. I've been through more in recovery, more pain in recovery than I have been um, in the madness. Now, that's a lie, right? Because I've been through a lot more in the madness, but I can't fucking remember any of it, Caitlin. Yeah. I was I was numbed, right? Um, I was immune to it um, because I didn't feel. That was the whole point of me taking something, so I didn't fucking feel. Now that I have to feel and deal with it, um, the proof's in the pudding. I know the programme works because of what I've been through. Um, and the joys I've been through too, you've got to understand, I've had so much joy in recovery, but I've also had a, had a lot of pain. 18 months in, um, I walked my sister that hadn't spoken to me for 15 years down the aisle and gave her away. Beyond... Um, beyond my, forget wildest dreams, beyond I think something I could even imagine. Um, that's the gift. Uh, two months after that, I spent seven weeks lying next to my mum in the hospital bed while she was dying. Um, I didn't pick up and she pulled through. They replaced her back, she's crippled now. Um, but they took her back out put a metal rod in, 12 metal discs, and the, 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 the operation failed anyway. But she didn't die. Um, I'd have used, I'd have picked up. And it'd all have been about me, girl. I, I'd have been on the phone, smashed the people, and like, damn, yeah, it's bastard, me ma's dying. I'd have made it all about me, because I, I suffer from a selfish, self-centered illness. Um, but I didn't. I didn't get to meetings. Meetings came to me. People came to me. People phoned me from all over the country. I didn't even know. You're all right, lad. That's what the fellowship gives you. Because they held me when I couldn't know myself, I'll be honest with you. And I'm a mummy's boy, I'm a scouser. And um, I wouldn't know what to do without me, man. I'm a mummy's boy. She's brought us all up. We're born and bred by her. I mean, she's the one that's cared for us all. She's the one that's been there for us. She's the one that's gone to John O'Groats to Land's End and visited us in every single jail we've ever been in. Dragged our kids up to see us, you know what I mean? She's the one that's been there for us right the way through our lives. So that was the big one. That was the fucking big one, believe me. Um, I've had the stepson shot and killed. I've had my son shot. I've had my son's leg nearly chopped off on another occasion. 
of our family kidnapped. Um, usual shit in Liverpool. Yeah, One of the reasons sounds I don't live there. like I'm at home. Yeah. <laughs> um, I never thought of picking up. I thought of fucking killing people. Um, the anger. And leave it and back to type. Um, but I haven't. I've had people there to bolster me. I've done what I suggested. I've turned to people. I've asked for help. I've just fucking literally I reached out. I've done what I was told, Caitlin. Um, I don't really do suggestions, love. Um, you have to fucking tell me, right? Because I'll just go, yeah, laugh and I'll do that. Fuck off. I'm doing my own thing, right? But if you tell me, if you tell me, Nicky, fucking do this or you're going to fuck up. Um, do this or you're going to fucking die, right? I'll do it. Along the way, I ended up in um, another relationship. I wish was lovely. It gave me a three-year-old fucking baby that I have now. Um, I have a daughter in my life. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse because I'm going to be 70 years of age when she's 20 odds and I'm going to be killing people at 70, which is not good. Um, <laughs> But I have a three-year-old daughter, you know what I mean? I've got six grandkids that have never seen me drunk or stoned, right? All older than my daughter. Um, I'm blessed with that. Yeah. But the blessings come with pain. Uh, relationships didn't work. She's still a good friend. I still care for the girl. She gave me a beautiful daughter, right? We're still good friends. Um, but in that process... We nursed her mum dying of cancer um, for nine months. And I watched it break her and half break our relationship. And then her mum died. And then my mum got cancer. <sighs> Fuck. Recovery. And we nearly lost her. And they took her lung. And she got through that. The last operation. Um, the 20th of March, two years ago. The last operation that was done. Uh, it was three, the last of three operations were done that day in the whole of Britain and they took a lung um, and then we nearly lost it to Covid and then I lost my sister to Covid fucking sister to Covid and you know what constant bang 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 if it's not one thing it's another you know what I mean but at the end of the day what it's taught me is um, I never have to pick up I never have to use I never have to suppress those feelings and emotions anymore I have a program in place that works me through them and gets me through them so I have a, con a concept and a look and an ability to look at life now in, in a way that I never knew I had um, sometimes it's a daily grind uh, but I know I can get through it we have those cliches give time time and uh, keep it in the day sometimes you keep it in the moment yeah. because the day's too long but it passes, babe. Um, the problems pass. If I do what I've been told to do and I get on the phone and say, yeah, listen, my head's in a fucking shed here, right? The whole point of me talking about that and handing it over and offloading it and a like mind on the other end of the phone nodding and understanding um, gets me through it. I soon found out I can walk into um, a waiting doctor's waiting room with 20 people sitting in that waiting room and I'm in an emotional turmoil over something. I'll open my mouth and say what's going on for me. And all 20 people will be in the fucking corner waiting for the men in the white coats to come and get me. Right? Thinking this man is off his kick, fucking off his barnet. But if I walk into a room full of us and I offload, I've got everyone hanging off the chairs nodding at me. 
Right, going, yeah, I'm on that, lad. <laughs> right, because they're the same as me. They might not be the same situation. They might not use the same chemical as me, but their emotional baggage and their emotional feelings are exactly the same as mine, and their reactions to their emotional turmoils are the same as mine, and that's the understanding we have. That's a common bond that we all have in recovery, and as long as you understand and lock on that, you've got a fucking chance. And would you say that that is what has got you through all those hard times in your life. Open, being open and willing. And being, other people, other f- fellow suffering addicts and alcoholics. Oh, without them, without a shadow of doubt, without them, I'd be fucking dead or smashed. Right, right or both, fucking hell. Um, without, I'd be, I'd be lifed off. I'd be, I'd be in jail. I'd, I'd be, especially with the kings over the kids, right? You know what I mean? Because the old me had dealt with it in a completely different fucking way than I did. Um, yeah, definitely, fucking definitely. Without the fellowship that I've had, people have had around me, I'd be well and truly fucking in. Yeah. And there's no other word for that. Um, I do think it is really important to surround yourself with people in fellowship as much as you can, really. Like, it's good to have people around you and not isolate because I find when I isolate, like, my head starts telling me, like... <laughs> Proper. And it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense anyway. Yeah, it's just, look, there's, there's, there's too much to mention. Um, I've seen some beautiful things in recovery. I've been some beautiful places. I've travelled the fucking world in recovery. Um, for years, holidays were my things because I didn't drink, I didn't take drugs. So I used to go away six times a year. I'd be fucking everywhere. Um... Or everywhere would let me in, right? I mean, just, I'm banned from a few fucking places, like. Um, along the way, I found a faith. Um, along the way, I became a Christian. Who, as you can hear, blasphemes a lot. Yeah. But my past is okay with that. Um, I found that weird. I had a problem. Um, I was going to church. And um, I thought, look, they're going to judge me. Like everyone already always has. And they're not going to understand and all that. And uh, Nick, the good pastor, um, I turned around and said, look, I'm never going to be the Christian that turns to the cheek. I, you know what I mean? I, someone slaps me, I'm going to hit them. I, you know what I mean? I, did, I wasn't that polite the way I said it as well. He just laughed at me. I can uh, he, he just turned around and said, look, I'm going to have problems with that. I swear. Um, it's in my culture and it's in my genetics. Right, you know, I don't mean to. I'm not being like, cheeky or nasty or horrible. It's just, look, just the way I'm made. Um, and the presence I have, you know what I mean? When I, like, I'm, I'm, look, I'm a 15, look, I'm 5 foot 8, I'm 15 stone. I've got a skinhead, uh, you know what I mean? And people have preconceived ideas of me. You know what I mean? I've got a fucking flat nose aye, with all kinds of stitches on it. Right, I'm not the prettiest of people. Um, I look like a bumblebee chewing a fucking pug. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> At least a pit bull fucking chewing a bumblebee. One or the other. Um, but, but yeah, that's okay. I shouldn't say open my mouth, I put people at ease. But he explained to me, he said, um, there's the lambs, there's the flock, and there's the people that mind the flock. I'm happy with that. Um, so I mind people now and in doing that it keeps me well 
the progression and open minds. That's what counselling first went to uni, trying to be a counsellor first. But I decided I didn't want to be a counsellor. And then I was trying to be a life coach. While I was still working in the open minds, I decided I didn't want to be a life coach. Um, bound by parameters and governing bodies of what I have to do. And no, um, if I'm me and I help people the way I help people, if in truth I use a bit of both, I, and then a bit of sprinkle of scouse and um, a sprinkle of NA and a sprinkle of AA and a sprinkle of EA, I thrown in and it seems to work for me as well as other people. Um, so I just got on with that. Well, it's worked for me because you've helped me massively on my journey into recovery and sobriety. I'll give you the money after. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I'm glad. I watch people like yourself progress and grow and become the people that they should be in the first place, love, and that's the payment, isn't it? As you said, we see that spark come alive in your eyes. And um, there isn't a bigger payment, right? There isn't a bigger beauty and there's a bit bigger compounds in, in people that this, this works. You know what I mean? We talked about it before. Um, the percentage of people that fail in recovery far away outweighs the people that succeed, right? Um, and it's all about odds, love. Um, but it's still people that get well. So you just have to concentrate. Along the way, you get hardened to the fact that you're going to lose people and people are going to die. And it's never easy. It gets easier, but it's never easy. Um, I've worked in this field nine years now. Um, well, I carry on working in it. Yeah, probably till the day I die, one or do I, one way or another, because it keeps me well. You know what I mean? I have a standing joke and piss people off. I get paid to stay well. You know, you know what I mean? I just, I make a wage looking after people. I, and at the end of the day, I, I make a wage working a 12 step program, if I'm honest, right? I take it out of fucking work, fair enough, you know what I mean? But in reality, you know what I mean? If you find something that's, enjoyable and you love doing it's no longer a job it's a vocation you know what I mean and I seem to have found mine the faith thing helps me um, it works for me it doesn't work for everyone I've got best mates that um, don't believe in shit um, believe in a fellowship believe in staying well uh, I've got others that believe in a higher power they look into the skies you know what I mean look you think of it that way if you walk outside on a beautiful balmy night clear night and you look into the sky and see a trillion trillion stars you're trying to tell me there's not something bigger than you up there you know what I mean um, you're deluded um, there's gotta be how else are we still here the way, uh, <laughs> the way I got sources is as long as you don't think you're God you're okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we have got all all addicts have got that God complex. Not as in they think they think they're almighty and all powerful, but they think they're right. My way or the highway. You don't know. You haven't lived a mile. You haven't walked a mile in my shoes. You haven't lived what I've been through. You haven't fucking had my family, my friends, my partners, my husband, my wife, my fucking kids. They, 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 they will justify it a million times over. I can justify a million times right now why I can go and use. I don't use because of one reason. I know where it takes me, yeah. right? And in working in the field I work from and doing shit like this, even when I don't want to, right? You know what I mean? More so when I don't want to, right? It helps me to stay focused and not become complacent, yeah. right? Because that's our biggest killer. Complacency and re resentment are our biggest killers, you know what I mean? Um, I can quite easily get in the headspace that I think I'm okay now. So how would you stay on top of that today, Nick? Like, what, what kind of things do you do on a 
like daily basis, day to day basis. Yeah, like I, what I ask for you? guidance. I ask for guidance. I help someone else. I have to have a conscious contact with another addict, alcoholic, in that day. Right? I I have to see me in someone else's eyes. Um, I have things to keep me balanced. I love my gym, right? You know what I mean. So, and I get, I get naughty if I don't get my gym, right? I get naughty if I don't eat, right? So, so, so before then, I get fucking hungry, yeah. right? You know what I mean? <laughs> like do. people actually say to me, "Fuck off, Nicky, go and eat something," right? You know what I mean? John Collins mood, give him a fucking marathon or something, because I get in that kind of mood, and I don't even <laughs> know I'm getting in it. I just get, I just get naughty. I fucking patience and tolerance. I don't eat loads, but I've got to eat something every three hours, otherwise I go off beam. You know what I mean? Well, it could be fucking sugar levels or whatever, I don't know. But there's certain things I need to do. And if I don't do, I have to talk to my sponsor, especially when I don't want to talk to him. They say, don't they? It's like in a saying in um, AA, HALT, which stands for... Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Yeah. Or horny, arrogant, lustful, and a twat. One or the other, right? <laughs> yeah. I can never work out which one. But if you're any of those things, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired... They can be triggers, can't they, for, for um, picking up or reverting back, which will eventually lead to picking up. Mm. Or fucking up. Yeah. You know, the biggest things we learn is we can't control our family. Yeah. I, we can't. I can, I can disengage from friends, right? Um, I can disengage from family, right? But it's harder. Um, we always have to have, and, and their, their mindsets are the same. You know what I mean? I have a faith today, and when I go home, I drive over the bridge, right? Um, I come into the back end, I come over the Runcombe Bridge, and um, I can still feel anxiety now when I drive over. Here we go. Fuck's sake. Right? I hope everyone's all right today. And there's not, because there's always a drama going on. Yeah. There's always a fucking <laughs> drama going on when I go home. I'm like, for fuck's sake. Um, and as I said, I love being able to, I love visiting home, but I love getting on that bridge. But I find myself when I go home, I, a little bit of the old Nicky has to pop back in, right? Because I can't go home with the Bible in one sock and a big book in the other, right? <laughs> no. And go, yeah, come here, fuck off, start hitting people around the because they're just going to go, off you fuck, Nick. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't work. Um, That's what I found hard when I was connecting with my family again, like, as the new, you know, sober me. Um, I found that just because I change, other people aren't going to change. And they shouldn't have to change because it's my programme and it's all about me. So I have to be accountable for me and just keep my sides of the street clean. But what I've found so far anyway, like I'm 11 months sober now. Thank you. Year in April, yeah. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? But what I found and what I find today is because I have changed, people automatically just, they do change because I've changed. They're not on edge, they're not on eggshells, they're not terrified, they're not, I'm not making them physically ill with worry of what I'm gonna do next or where I am, what fucking danger I've got myself into this time. Like, if you change for the right reasons, other people have got no choice but to change. It, in a positive way. The traumas we put people through once they see us on the straight and narrow and, and recovering, because we constantly recover and we constantly yeah. change. And we grow as in ourselves year on, year on. Um, but the positive ripple effect that you see in them, right, is 
they are able to grieve. They are able to grow themselves then and stop putting things on hold because a lot of my family had put life on hold because of me. Yes, same. Um, and I, I, and now you see the positive effect that you're having in them. And you know what? You're talking about someone that no one had let know um, where they were having parties or anything in case I went around and just caused fucking murders every time it was going on. I came home from a sentence and my mother and two sisters had moved houses and told everyone not to tell me, tell <laughs> me where they fucking are. Seriously, straight up. <laughs> and I found my mum after two weeks and said, well, door now. Sam comes to the door with my mum and went like that. Oh, for fuck's sake, mummy's found us. Like, oh, you, know you know what I mean? Am I that bad? He went, yeah. You're that fucking bad. Today... When they've got a problem with their kids, my nephews and nieces, I'm the one that gets the phone call. Oh, Nicky. I go, fuck's sake, what now? Right. They're doing this or they're doing that and all that, so I'll get them on the phone or I'll see them when they go down. Um, but you can do that today. Yeah, I'm capable of doing you've that You've got today. a choice today. You didn't have a choice then, but you've got one now. I've got, I'm capable of doing that today. Yeah. I actually fucking shock at it. I actually make fucking sense some of the time. Right, you know what I mean? So it's quite good. Um... Today I can laugh at myself now. Today I'm looking in the mirror and going, Nick, you're full of shit. Right. But that's okay. That's okay. Um, I look at myself every night. I did your little step 10. You know what I mean? When you remember to do it, let's be honest. But I can look and say, have I armed anyone today? No. Have I, have I purposely pissed everyone, anyone off today? No. If I've stepped out and I've reacted wrongly to a situation because I'm fucking hangry or, 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 you know what, I've just re re resolved to be a dick that day because you know what I'm only as good as I'm on the day it doesn't matter I'm in recovery I'm not a fucking angel you know what I mean I, I get I have bad days I have bad weeks I don't have bad months and years anymore right which is a fucking bonus yeah. but I still have fucking bad times shit's going on for if someone look if shit's going on for me and I'm having problems with family and, and or other issues right I have to, I, I work, I work a program where I'm trying to keep a, a scales balanced, right? Where it's spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional, right? And on any given day, one of them's off. So if I'm physically not well and I'm not feeling it in the gym, my head's not right, right? I'm emotionally fucking uh, unstable, right? I, yeah. And I'm definitely mentally not one to be around because I'm pissed off, right? So <laughs> I've got to fight the balance to get back to normal. And the same goes if I'm emotionally affected by something, right? The scales are off on everything else. So it's a constant battle, right? Don't get me wrong. It's a constant daily battle. Yeah. But it becomes second nature and it's not something you have to make a conscious choice to do. I just, right, what we're going to do is stay fucking, hey, stay okay today. You know, what's affecting me? Be awareness. It's awareness. What's going on for me? If I'm affected and I'm reacting wrong and someone goes, Nicky, yeah, you're acting out, Nick. It's not like you. What's wrong with you? And I'll go, bang. I'll step back. I'll have a little breathe and I'll go like, all right, what's, what's fucking going on for me? And sometimes I'll think it's the thing in front of me and it's not. It's something I haven't taken care of. Right, no. or it's something that's overwhelming me somewhere else, and it's usually the straw that broke the cam broke that's broken the camel's back. So it's awareness today, awareness of my capacity to fucking try and dodge dealing with shit because it's human nature. Oh, I couldn't be asked doing that today. Oh, fuck off! I'm not in the mood for him or a, or a client's playing up. Oh, for fuck's sake! Right, you, like, yeah. you, you know what I mean? It depends on if I'm tired. Oh, I can still react wrong to situations, but I'm aware of that now. If I piss someone off, I say sorry. Um, I do the best I can, Caitlin, right? And, 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 and that's all I've got. That's all I've got, right? But to have that, I've had to have this programme installed into me, right? You know what I mean? And practice I, it as well. Every day. Because it doesn't day. come easy. No, no. Sometimes it's a ball ache. Sometimes it's like, do I have to? Yeah, I do. 
Uh, oh shit, I've had a phone sponsor. He still says no, it's just saying, if you've got a good idea, Nicky, phone me. If you've got a brilliant idea, turn up at me fucking door, Nick. <laughs> he lives in Gloucester. That's a fucking drive and a half. Um, but it's true. My first, my first thoughts are still bonkers. But that's okay. It's just the funny bonkers now and I don't act on them. Um, it's just being aware. I challenge myself. I try and grow. Emotionally, spiritually, mentally, um, educationally. Um, I try and take myself to the next level on things um, because I can find it quite easy to stagnate. Yeah. Um, it's comfortable. Absolutely. Yeah, it's comfortable, isn't it? I procrastinate a lot. Yeah. I think. We're comfortable there. Eh? I oh, don't have to make an effort today. But I'm also aware of sometimes I um, I need a fucking pyjama day. Um, I need a, I'm staying in bed and watching fucking Netflix shit day. You know what I mean? I, I, I need that now and again. I just have to be aware um, when. Um, in early recovery, I burnt myself out. Um, I tried to cut myself into too many pieces because I wanted it all. And I wanted it, as you said yesterday. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wanted 10 years sobriety in 10 days. You know what I mean? I'm looking at people in the meetings and going, I want what you've got. Right? Um, and I'm not willing to go to any lengths to get it. I'll just rob yours. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. um, I was a rogue and a thief. I'm still a fucking thief now because I steal a program of people now, right? I can walk in a room, um, I can hear someone share and I'll hear them share something so profound um, and so painful what they're going through at the time, but I'll see their eyes ablaze, right? I shining and, and they have a fortitude and a strength in them that I want some of, right? So I'll go over to them and go, how are you getting through that? What are you doing? And if they come up and tell me something that I haven't been doing, I'll graft it onto my programme, Caitlin. I, I'm the first one, to be honest. I haven't got the answers. I, people have given me the answers. So as long as I keep taking those answers, right, and keep learning and don't, as you said, stagnate, I'm okay. So I steal programme. I, I, I say, yeah, it gives me a bit of that. I'll have yours. And then I'll hear other people and go, no. Hell no, you can fuck right off. Well, that's right. why the good and you take the bad as well because it shows you what you do want to be and what you we don't, don't want to be. be. Everyone teaches you something. Yeah. Right? And everyone, you taught me that. Yeah, everyone, everyone teaches you something. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to be polite on here today. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? I hear some people and I go, yeah, no, nah, I mean, don't want none of you. But if it works for you, sound. Right? You know, who am I? Who am I to have an opinion on that? You know what I mean? I've got no. I've got no right to. I, I I know what I feel and I believe and I perceive to be right, correct, but I have no right to try and change your mind or what you perceive. And who am I to say I'm right or wrong, right? You, you know what I mean? I have that ability today to turn around and say everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But we know opinions are like assholes and everyone's got one and most of them are full of shit, right? <laughs> but they're allowed to be. Yeah. And I have got no right to... This is the problem. I can go into that judgmental mode. I can go into that mode where I look at things and go, nah, nah. I, and that arrogant, um, egocentric, fucking self-centered, selfish twat, which is me in the illness, right? You know what I mean? So I've got to be really, really careful. I don't um, regress to that again. And I carry on progressing in recovery. You know what I mean? I can never get to a point where I'll stagnate and I'll stay right. I'm happy near. I'm where I should be and I don't need to go anywhere else. No, I do. Because life changes, shit changes, yeah. shit happens. And I grow older, right? So, and my program needs to grow older, if that makes any sense. It you will well, evolve, don't you? Yeah, we have to. Yeah. I like that word. Yeah, we have to. That's another one I robbed off you. Mm, I know, but I'm trying to be polite. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I've probably chatted a load of crap for the last two hours, but I don't no, know. No, it's been amazing and inspiring as well. And I, what I've got from, what I've got from this whole experience of having you on here, the power is in other people. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's why I've asked you today. Step one, babe. I'm powerless. <laughs> well, yeah. I, True. I, 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 when I was in the madness, I thought I was powerful. Yeah. I, and it's, it's the complete fucking opposite. Um, it's it's. Look, it's it's that fallacy in it, you know what I mean? I have to surrender to win. I've got to give this away to keep it. Yeah. Fuck off. If you just told me that in the beginning, I'd have gone, you're mad. Right? No, no, it's never a true word said. As long as we still help, um, we get help. It's, a self, it's the biggest self-help group um, in the world. It is. You know what I mean? Um, and at the end of the day, without it, I'd have nothing. And I know that. Um, so at the end of the day a very very clever lady taught me once without the attitude of gratitude there is no recovery right so every day I'm grateful for what I've got Yeah. now I can sit there and say I haven't got everything I, I want but I've got everything I need Caitlin right you know what I mean I've got a good life um, everyone in the family are well at the moment God. Not mentally, <laughs> but physically. Um, my kids are all safe, right? I'm not looking over my shoulder. I'm not wanted. I'm not drinking. Um, I've got a job who pays the bills and feeds the kids, right? You know what I mean? What the fuck have I got to moan? Nothing, right? My head can find something to moan quite easily, but I have no right to moan, right? You know what I mean? You see them little silly quotes on Facebook and everyone else sends them, you know what I mean? Um, do you remember the times, right? I, we'd have died and killed for what we are today, right? But we still found problems with what we are today. Yeah. You know what I mean? We still want more. But the times where it was beyond our wildest dreams just to have what we have now, right? You know what I mean? So gratitude is the biggest thing that we need to have and we need to keep. Because um, without which, we haven't got a chance, love. Um, we slowly revert back to type. So today, I'm grateful. But people like yourself, they still teach me. Um, still show me this is worth it. I'm grateful for this company that I sit here doing this with because I was here at the beginning of the Eternal Community meeting with Marcus, who was another person that um, inspired me even in dreaming. Um, I'm lucky. I'm lucky to have the people I have in my life, love. Um, and I know that. I'm grateful for that. Um, I haven't done this. Um, there's no I in we. <laughs> True. Yeah, but I've, I've got an ad that says there is an ME in team. Mm, <laughs> me. I'll leave it there. If you've been affected by any of the topics in this episode, please reach out to a trusted contact or seek a professional for support. So there you have it. That was my conversation with Nick. We had an absolute ball. If you'd like to hear more of Nick's story, you can check out Flipped It, the movie, which was Eternal Media's first production. We will leave a link in the description of this episode. Thanks for listening. So that was our friend Nick and his whirlwind of a life. Speaking of whirlwind lives, 
You don't want to miss this next episode where I'll be chatting with Emma. She's got one hell of a story to tell. From crazy ex-boyfriends to getting tied up in county lines and sleeping in caves. You don't want to miss it. See you next time.